Praise the Lord. Uh, you can be seated this morning. Uh, you okay? I seen you kind of fanning there. I thought maybe you got to watch these middle-aged women. What makes you feel so old was I knew them when they were real young. I think I married most of them. Dedicated all you young people. How many young people in here did I dedicate when you was born? Let's see how old I really am. Oh, there's quite a few. It really makes me feel old this morning. I'm taking that privilege, that, what, if I can remember what to call it, for the brain. I've seen that commercial that they've been taking it 10 years and they're 80 and they still know how to walk. I said, I better get me some of that. When you spend more time in bed than you do up, then you know you're past 75. Amen. Uh, we're trying to work out a time for Alan Price. We contacted him yesterday uh, to come and have a Saturday night meeting with us, the young people. And he said he was willing to come, so we've got to work out the time. And so we'll look forward to that in the near future. He was fixing to take a vacation certain dates. I got to home at home. I think Brother Brown's having their meeting over there a certain time, so we don't want to invade with that, interfere with that, unless some of you want to go there. So we'll work out a schedule, and we'll have a meeting with him on a Saturday night. Uh, and maybe have some refreshments and things like that for the young people. So we look forward to that. We welcome the congregation of Canada with us this morning. I see George and Connie still sitting on the back seat. I don't know why they just don't come down here. They're retired. All they do is go to church and sit at home. So they could sit down here and go to church once a week at the same time. So, but we welcome all of them into the service this morning. Uh, they got to have a lot of fortitude to have church this way. But we all know that church as we know it will soon come to an end. It's not long down the road. I said before, not long down the road that we won't have church the same way. And we found out come this year. And we're just on the base of the grace of God in a bad time. But they are going to shut us down. Whatever excuse they use, disease, whatever more, they are after the church. You have a party now that controls, if they control the federal government, if they win the presidency, they will control the federal government. And when they do that, they're going to control the churches. The first thing they're going to come after is the church. And so we got the economy, we got the church, uh, and we got the rapture to look forward to. Everything is squeezing us down to an event. I uh, noticed some of you this morning getting the drawings. Uh, actually, we passed this drawings out way back in the 90s. We've done this study back in the 90s. I can still see the folder prints on here that we give. But if you're like me, I studied them, and I preached them, and I forgot them. Now then I study them again. It's amazing how much you don't remember or how little you know. I never did like or never was pushed to study the Old Testament. I know a lot of ministers preach out of the Old Testament uh, almost 90% of the time. And they use the stories to get their lessons with, and that is wonderful. I have never been tilted to go that way because I didn't like Old Testament stories. I like the book of Romans. I like the book of Galatians. I like the book of Ephesians very well. I like that book that tells me that Jesus Christ has paid the price for my sins. 
I like to understand where I am in the economy of God. But since we are pressed, how many knows that Israel now is God's timepiece? The prophet told us, and if you look back upon his ministry and message, uh, the last two years, 64 and 65, the majority of his sermons after the opening of the seven seals, the seven thunders, uh, the last mystery he preached was the rapture. He said that was a mystery under the seventh seal. Marriage and divorce, the complete revelation of water baptism and Godhead, serpent seed, and those doctrines he put in place. Then he basically preached and used Israel as an example or timepiece. He turned to Israel in his studies. In those messages, Future Home, Feast of Trumpets, Recognize Your Day, and His Message, uh, the way Brother Branham preach, preaches and the way that he not stumbles because he said he preached the way he preaches a mystery, caused some to stumble, some to ponder, and some to go out. Uh, it caused me to stumble, not to stumble as far as rejecting, stumble as far as what he's trying to tell me. Because you're always kind of leery of trying to interpret what he said. Well, he didn't mean that. He means this. He meant exactly what he said. But in the Holy Spirit, you've got to understand, and I believe the baptism of the Holy Ghost will give us an ear to properly hear in the proper context of what he's telling us. Even though he repeats, and he'll say, well, I'm the seventh trumpet, I mean seventh seal, and then he go back to six, he back and forth to where if you try to keep up with him, you'll get a little bit confused. But he did show us, if we want to know what time it was, watch Israel. So you find all the books, uh, Great Late Planet Earth, and all those Hal Lindsey books and whatever more, trying to show us when Israel becomes a nation. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree, put forth his branches. Brother Branham typed that according to his ministry. It's when the angel of the Lord come to him. It's when the Israel become a nation, 1946. Then he put 1948 when they politically become. Then he said that generation won't pass away. So we had ministers going forth and preaching that Jesus would come basically by 1988. Well, we're 72 years past that, I think. Something like that. If I figured it up. So it's been uh, since 1946, if we go back to that, or 1948, you're 70-something years down the road. So that type doesn't hold true under the understanding that we have been taught or that the fundamental church teaches the types. If Israel was a fig tree, which they are, and that generation shouldn't pass away before the fulfillment of all things, then the rapture should have took place by 1988. If that's what the coming of the Lord is that he's speaking of. I believe that Brother Branham absolutely preached, pointing to himself, the appearing of the pillar of fire to the Gentile church, leading us out of the church ages into a dispensation of the word that he called the bride age. That bride age would absolutely be the very elected of God would only have the ear to hear and understand what he's saying. So if you look at the drawings we put on the board, the three or the feasts of Israel, which I believe that Brother Branham used the feasts of Israel as his timepiece, his clock. He used these types almost every sermon that he preached. First and second pull, he went back to Israel. 
He always went to the Old Testament. He used the Old Testament type, and he said, I had to have something to look at to see what the New Testament is telling me. Now, I believe a prophet is the only true typologist. Amen. Now, I can follow his type and get a picture, but I still have to be careful even using his type to pinpoint a true picture. Because he looked at it in the scope of a ministry and in a realm that we are not privileged to look at. And that is basically he was a vessel under the control of a ministry. He was a man that was born unique, that was absolutely controlled by the Holy Spirit himself, God. Now, I'm going to end up the sermon. If you put, uh, we've got two pictures you're looking at. If you've got a picture of the tabernacle, we're trying to show us that we have now are resting in the presence of the holiest of all. And we're looking at basically the seventh seal and the golden censer. Which we said last week that the golden censer is symbolic telling us that Christ is leading the church. If you're looking at it as far as the church. Into the holiest of all or into the day of atonement. The thing of it is, and we said many times, and you've heard every preacher preach. It used to be death to go beyond that veil into the holiest of all. And now he said it is death not to enter there because nothing outside this message or revelation will come to life. So to end up, start where I'm going to end up for the next lesson, that veil, there's many veils to get through, tradition, denominational veil, the veil of water baptism as you walk through different steps, sanctification, baptism, Holy Ghost, all that that veil that's hard to get through to most people is basically the prophet himself. You hear people trying to preach God sent a prophet, God sent a prophet, 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 prophet. Everybody's trying to get people to see a prophet. That's the hardest veil for the mind to get through. Because we have not been taught that God must have a prophet and what a true prophet is. The charismatics I hear preach prophets. You can look on your TV and you'll find 15 prophets on there preaching. But they look at a prophet as a New Testament prophet, a preacher. I can say I'm a prophet when I was younger and able to preach. But we're looking at a prophet that is only as absolutely a manifestation of the invisible God himself. In other words, he absolutely veils God the Word. To put it point blank, if you can take it, you're looking at God face to face. The only thing is you're seeing the expression, a man, and he is the giving you the voice, or he is, is the voice of the invisible one, the pillar of fire. So when you got a prophet on the scene that can discern the very intents in the hearts, the thoughts of the mind... You've got God, the Word, the judge on hand making a judgment and a division among the church ages and the people between the wise and the foolish virgins. So in one sense, we have already crossed. I know the fundamentals don't like this, but we have already come to our Bema 
the judgment seat of Christ, and we have been found not guilty. And the reason why we were found not guilty was that in that book, in heaven now, Revelation 5, we've been to over and over, in that book that Adam lost was the title deed to this earth, our, our inheritance. It also included our identification, our names, our position, and our predestination as sons and daughters of God. We were absolutely hid by amnesia to our place in God before we got here. And we were born in sin. In other words, our minds were shut off to the understanding that we were true seeds and genes of God. And it took the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the hearing of the gospel. And when the eagle cries, that little soul in you responds. And then you're washed in the water of the Word, the water baptism. Making you justified or justification. Which means that you're not justified, you are now declared righteous. Then being declared righteous and by faith you're cleansed by the blood. You now come into the faith order that you have two confessions that you must keep. One confession is that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that He died and God raised Him from the grave for your justification. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He was a sacrifice. And he that confesses him with your mouth shall be saved. That's the great confession. The second confession is you must confess for your healing. Without a confession, there's no healing. You'll find that the theologians absolutely placed under the blood, they'll hear divine atonement, 1 Peter 2.24, they under, absolutely put healing in the atonement of Isaiah 53, which we have preached on for several weeks. By stripes you were healed. Now that is under the blood. But if you go all the way here into the holy place, when we come out of the church ages, there is a showbread, which was Christ or the manna that they gathered each day and made a bread. You'll find that it types the Lord's Supper. And in there you'll find divine health that comes out of the revelation of the covenant that's brought to us in this hour by a fivefold ministry after the prophet or the high priest takes us into the holiest of all by the opening of the seventh seal. In the message unveiling of God, you would think by listening to that sermon, and you ought to listen to it again. I'm studying it. I've listened to it every day now for the last week and a half. You would think by listening to that sermon, you would find an understanding of the Godhead. Brother Branham does not teach an understanding of the Godhead in that sermon. He absolutely brings forth that a prophet is the veil of God. That the unveiling of God is basically seeing a prophet and understanding who he is. He absolutely placed Moses as the veil of God. And he used Moses as a type. And he spends uh, about 80 to 90 percent of that sermon showing you that he is here. And that William Branham, he himself, was the veil, veiling the revealed word, Christ, that was here now in the form of a pillar of fire. And therefore, that veil has to come through the veil of that man. There's the veil right there. The hardest thing to get people to see is that prophet veil. 
because we're not taught that God will appear or communicate to us in the form of a prophet and no other way. The pillar of fire comes to a prophet. Period. And you've got Moses, Paul, William Branham. You got Jesus as a major type there because he was God manifested in the flesh. So you've got Christ there as a picture. So we're seeing that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever. In this hour, that the pillar of fire would come and repeat Hebrews 13, 8. In other words, he would come to Revelation 10, 7, a prophet, and repeat the ministry of Jesus here for the church as he did for Israel. And the appearing of the pillar of fire is to finish up for us the threefold mystery of the last three feasts of, of the Feast of Israel. If you had the drawing here, these last three feasts, and we've put it up, if you want to put it up there, the Feast of Israel, you'll find out that the theologians and all, you can study any commentary, they'll tell you that the last three feasts is unfulfilled, and they don't know exactly what it is or how it's going to be done. You must walk through these seven feasts as a type, as you walk through the tabernacle in type, to come to what we call perfection, or the statue of a perfect man. In other words, you must go through the veil, and when you go through the veil, you go through the veil as a mortal. But you come into the Feast of Tabernacles as an immortal. From mortal to immortality. Corruption to incorruption. So the process of the blowing of the trumpet, the opening of the seven seal, Day of Atonement, Tabernacles to us is a process of Brother Brown's vision of going into the little room. They went in sick, crippled, and everything else. But when they come out of that little room, they was completely whole. In other words, showing us that this message, take this message for your healing. In other words, the more that you understand and embrace the revealed Word of God, the more that Word has an effect on your, on your physical body. Because it will basically help us in our minds. And our spirit and the anointing will soon come out on our flesh. Now, we have a tendency in this hour, we got to really watch, not be like John the Baptist, not let the pressures, not let the wars, the fears, and everything get us where we begin to question because all the types doesn't fit. We've been here too long. Is this it? What's going to happen? And pretty soon you got all kinds of questions. No, no, no. You're locked into the Feast of Tabernacles. Under the seal of God, we have our garments on, we're resting, waiting for God to fulfill His timetable to Israel. So with that in mind, I want to look at the seventh seal and the golden censer and the seventh seal. And last week we picked up in your notes, if you look at it, it's absolutely a type now of the golden censer is telling us that the high priest is fixing to go into the holiest of all on the day of atonement. And sprinkle the blood for the remission of sins. In our day, this threefold mystery to us, I call it the three feasts of the seventh month, has to be fulfilled spiritually to us. The seventh seal does to us, or for us, what these three literal feasts of Israel does to the 144,000. The seventh seal for us, does exactly what 
these three feasts, which is under the seventh trumpet to Israel. And if you'll study what it does for Israel, two prophets come forth, and they begin to preach Jesus was the Messiah. They begin to uh, perform signs, miracles, wonders, stop the heavens, what more, send hail, fire, and everything else to get the Israel's attention. And they call out or blow the trumpets in the th uh, first day of the seventh month to gather the 144,000 to their atonement, which is Jesus Christ. They will accept Him as the atonement, and they go and celebrate it by going to their homes. The Bible said they will get in their homes, and they will mourn and weep and wail because the reality of their total rejection of Jesus Christ for these two years since they've been blinded for our sakes. We just got grafted in. I mean, we, we're nothing special. We didn't have a covenant, whatever more. We was heathens with clubs on our backs, and we just got grafted in by the grace of God. Somebody say amen. amen. You didn't do nothing to merit. We can't do nothing to merit. You can't be good enough to get in. There's nothing that you can do to get in except believe. Except believe. All things are possible if you can only believe it. How many believes that you can be changed in this hour? Actually, we have actually heard from aliens. We are living in a horizontal dimension here, and there's a virtual uh, dimension going on parallel with us now. We're only reflecting something. Now, we're either reflecting this <laughs> one down or we're reflecting one up. Because Brother Bram said the way a tree leans is where, where you're actually your theophany or your body is calling you is from. It can either be darkness or it can be theophany in the presence of God. So the way you're living tells you where your representation is pulling you. If your representation is here in the book, it will call you and pull your soul toward the Word of God. It'll pull you to a confession that Jesus died and God raised Him from the dead. That He was your sacrifice. It will pull a confession out of your mouth. It will take you to the water and identify with your sacrifice that Jesus is your Lord. And that God raised Him from the dead for your justification and therefore declares you righteous. Didn't say we were righteous. We're not saying we didn't do it. Did you steal the watch? We stole the watch. It's not that we didn't sin or don't make mistakes. He declares us righteous as though we never done it. That's a pretty good bargain. You say, well, I think I can live good enough to where uh, I don't have nothing over here on my record. Go ahead and try. We tried it for, what, under Pentecost. We tried it for years and years and never did make it. So we decided we needed something. So we looked at predestination and said, I think I'll just trust the grace of God to get me in. Amen. So, so what we're looking at is basically the seventh seal and the golden censer and the golden censer now in the high priest's hand is showing you that he's taken you in as a type to the holiest of all so i call the holiest of all the token it is the inner sanctum it is the inner little room it is the presence of the pillar of fire which we have not been allowed to come into until this age I call that the presence of God. Amen. Brother Bram said it was the unrecognized presence. Amen. We call it the perusia or the appearing, which if I said the word coming, it would represent somebody coming. But the word coming there is perusia, which means literally arrived. That is literally here, not someone coming. 
So we look at the appearing or the perusia of Christ, not as the second coming, but an appearing as a pillar of fire called Son of Man. If you go to Luke 17, Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Anytime you hear the word Son of Man, you understand that God is there in a form of a prophet. The pillar of fire is present in a prophet. Son of Man is prophet. No prophet, no God, no God, no prophet. And if this prophet is the prophet of God, his word to you is God's word to us. He brings us a message that absolutely reveals God or unveils God, which in a form of a prophet, that absolutely unveils or gives you the revelation of who you are, or it unveils your book of life. As we said last week, it takes the veil off of your mind. We've been veiled in our mind. Israel's veiled in their mind. Something has to take the veil off of the mind so the mind can receive. Let it come down to the heart, back out of the mouth confirming to make it a reality and confirm the word into your hearts. So you're looking at a law of faith called a confession. So that's what we want to look at because last week we looked in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 to 4, and Paul picks up the instruments that he says is in the holiest of all, and he starts out with the golden censer. Now we understand if we study, you go by last week's note, if you study the high priest, the golden censer is out here before the, the veil. It's in the holy place. The priest picks up the golden censer, he takes incense, takes the fire off, the, then he goes to the veil into the presence of God, sprinkles the incense, which is the prayers of the saints, and basically then he sprinkles the altar and all the thing uh, with the blood seven times. So it takes blood to get into the holiest of all. Without the token, which is the revelation of the blood, the life in the blood, you cannot enter into the presence of God or the revelation of the Word. You cannot unite or be married to the Logos without the revelation of the blood of Christ. Amen. So there's what we want to look at. And I looked at Psalms 81 verses 1 to 3. And we want to pick up because we have a little problem in the message. And I have the problem. I can't give you, thus saith the Lord on it. But we look at a shout, voice, and a trump. That trump of God is where you, we have a problem in the message. Because it's not revealed, or the brother Bam didn't tell you exactly what it was. He said the third fold went by in unknown tongues, and I couldn't interpret, but it will be revealed. He told you what the shout was. He told you what the voice of the archangel was. But when it comes to the trump of God, he left us kind of hanging there a little bit, waiting for the revelation to unfold. The trump of God, as far as I understand, has to deal with the living and the dead saints. Having resurrected, there is a trump of God that takes us to the marriage supper. At the same time, you've got the feast of trumpets calling by two prophets Israel to their atonement. They work simultaneously together. So the only way that we can tell how close we are to the resurrection and the catching away is to look at the calendar of Israel because according to the prophet and according to the Bible, our translation on the Feast of the Trumpets will be on the first day of the seventh month. That will be somewhere in September according to what year that is in. 
The reason all the types is unfolded now, as I said, we've got these gaps in here, 40 years, 70 years now between the types. And people cannot properly place exactly where we're at in the Lord. Since the seventh seal is an unfolding mystery to the bride, which is that union in there, that maturing in there, taking out all the rocks, it's not visual. People cannot see it. There's not a physical manifestation because we're hid from the world. It's going on internally, individually, until we are one with that word or that presence in there, having preeminence in our minds and hearts by being in the presence of God's Word. We are slowly changing. We may not understand it. You, you can't even probably explain it. But there's something happening and changing in us minutely all the time as long as we listen and feed on the Word of God and hold fast our confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and by His stripes we are healed. All right, in Psalms 81, 1 to 3, let's look at a little background. It says, Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbre, the pleasant harp, and the palestry. Blow up the trumpet. Now, here's a symbolism of basically 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, and basically the Feast of Trumpets. Blow up the trumpet. Notice now, in the new moon, that would, beginning, that would be the beginning of the year of, to Israel, which is not our new year. Their new year starts in September, I believe, or the seventh month. In the time appointed, in other words, there is already an appointed time for these events, and they have been appointed before the foundation of the world. God Himself knows. Jesus said, I don't know, but the Father knows. What would be the time of this event of the translation where the Father presents to the Son this virgin bride for the wedding supper? Only the Father knows. He said, I don't know, and the angels don't know. Only the Father knows. But he said, in that day, you don't ask me anything, but you ask the Father. Why? Because the Father is here. God himself in the form of a pillar of fire is right here in the midst of the church. Brother Bram said, I must decrease, but he will increase. So the only way that he can increase invisibly is by revelation of the Word of God, what he's already done. Our catching up is only catching up with the Word that's already been planted, already been spoken. It's already done as far as God is concerned. It's only maturing out until it comes to the point of harvest that God has already proclaimed that it will be. In other words, he said, you're seed and you're going, and we're moving slowly to fulfill that appointed time. So there's an appointed time that the resurrection will take place. God knows it right to the minute to the day. If we follow Israel, we, like we said last week, every event to the first up until the uh, Passover and the day of Pentecost Every event, Jesus fulfilled those events to the day, to the letter, to the type, to the time. So my question is this. If God fulfills to the letter the first four feasts, uh, if, we, if He was the Passover, if He was the unleavened bread, sheaf of first fruits, Pentecost, that was fulfilled to the very day and the type of Israel's feast days. If that is true, it holds 
in my mind, that God will fulfill the last three feasts of the seven, and Christ will fulfill them exactly to the time, to the type, and to the day. Therefore, if, if this is your timepiece of God, we can look at Israel and look at the calendar or the timepiece, and we'll know when we're fixing to get out of here. Amen. But remember now, this is only good for those that have come past the veil by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, you'll never understand the revelation of a prophet, the seals, the trumpets, the thunders, or nothing else. It'll always be confusing to you, and you'll always wonder at it, and whatever more. This is a picture. This is your maturing. This is identifying you as the Messiah or the anointed ones of Almighty God. We're looking at three big eagles under the eagle age. Our eagle come over, scream seven times. We heard the cry. We come out of denominationalism. We come out of the world. We went right back to the water for the remission of our sins. And when we come out of the water, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the grace of God, revealing to us our predestinated place in Christ. We are gene seeds of God. That is my confession. And that's what I believe. Can somebody say amen? amen? So here it says, Now blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. In other words, watch Israel and the solemn feast day now is the day of atonement. The day of the atonement is the whole key to the plan of God. You can come all the way through the first four feasts. That's reading, Brother Brown. See, you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost every day of your life and go to hell. Now, that's hard to understand, but that's what he said. You can come to the Feast of Pentecost. You can even understand that the trump blowed, that God sent a prophet of Revelation 10 7. And come to the Day of Atonement, which is the answer for sin. Now, don't miss this, church. And we haven't got there yet. We still, we might say amen to it, but it's not a revelation to it yet. The sin question has been settled for you, period. Is there a conduct in the message? Absolutely. It was the word of the Lord. Men cut your hair, women don't cut your hair, dress modest. There's a conduct to the message. But that conduct is not the key. The key is you're confessing amen to the Word of God as it was spoken. Don't add nothing to it. Don't take nothing away from it. If God said, an invisible union, this is my thanksgiving message to you, little bride. You are the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. I preached it years ago, got kicked out of churches for preaching it. And Brother Walt's uh, convention down here, I appreciate it. You never done it, and boy, that caused a... That caused a rig and roll. We had an all-night meeting of seven preachers, and we'd, that's, you said you never done it. I said, no, the prophet said I never done it. You telling me you don't have sin? I said, no, I'm not telling you I don't have sin. I'm telling you that God doesn't impute sin. Well, he imputes sin to me. I said, then you're foolish virgin. So you know how the conversation goes. I come to find out you cannot change someone's mind as long as they understand something a different way. 
So all you can do is hopefully just carry on a conversation with them and not lose your patience, so to speak, and don't lose your baptism, so to speak, and hold enough grace of God to hold on. And maybe they'll talk themselves into seeing something. But nine times out of ten, if someone's made up, if you push them, it only fixes their mind and begin to come against it for all they got. They'll, and the more you try to persuade them, the more they get fixed that they can't see it. That's the reason I don't push God, uh, God sent a prophet on people. If that predestinated seed's in there, that seed is looking for its way to God. And its way to God, according to Genesis, all the way through the Bible, is a prophet. You're not going to get to God outside of a prophet. You say, well, what about Jesus? He was a prophet. He was a God prophet. He was the main prophet of all prophets. Amen. So that's what we're looking at. So we see the solemn feast now. And we're looking at the three feasts of the seventh month, which is basically the big mystery. Because these three feasts right here, the seventh month, once they are revealed to us and are fulfilled in us, it will cause a resurrection and change us from mortal to immortality. The main feast is the day of atonement that the blood of Jesus Christ took care of the sin question once and for all. We see that the Apostle Paul implies and the prophet concluded in his messages that the seven preordained feasts of Israel must be ultimately fulfilled by Jesus Christ Himself, because Jesus fulfills every step all the way through. Amen. We understand that He's fulfilled through two prophets. In other words, that will be Jesus Christ revealed to the 144,000, fulfilling His Word through two prophets. We have the seventh seal, which is a mystery to everybody except us. Under the seventh seal, there was silence. Nothing gives of the way. You won't find nothing about the seventh seal, period. When Jesus uh, pre preached the other six seals in Matthew 24, he left out the seventh. So therefore, everybody concludes that the seventh seal is a mystery. No, nothing, no one knows anything about it. But we believe God sent a prophet, which was the seventh seal, and unveiled himself to us, the bride. Because he only lifts the veil to his bride, not everybody else. Now watch. So in Colossians 1, 16 to 17, it tells us, Let no man therefore uh, judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day, which is the feast of Israel, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Now these are the feast days of Israel, and there's a lot of them. Verse 17, which Paul says, Which are a shadow, which means a type, of things to come. But the body, or in other words, the fulfillment of these feasts, is of Christ. In other words, Christ will fulfill them himself. Because in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it tells us what? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now we know that that is a message to gather the bride together. There is a trump right there. There's a trump sounded to gather us together with the voice of the archangel. We know that's the message to the sleeping saints that will bring them to a resurrection or change them from a theophany to a glorified body. And with the trump of God. Now here is another trumpet. This is the mystery part right here. And I'll put in parentheses, this is me. And fulfill these feasts spiritually to the Gentiles under the seventh seal, which is Revelation 10, 1 to 7. That's what this is right here. 
And the dead in Christ shall rise first. What? To the marriage supper at the trump of God. So the trump of God has to speak to us, the Gentile church, as far as its resurrection and its translation. Speaking of mortality to immortality. There is something, there's a power in the revelation in the holiest of all, which is the pillar of fire, that will absolutely change us from mortality to immortality. You will see the sleeping saints. There will be like a wave go over you. And if you had a mirror, you could look in it and you'll be 19 to 20 years of age. You say, what will I feel? I don't know, but I bet it feels good. It'll feel a whole lot better than what I'm feeling right now. I'll put it like that. <laughs> Glory to God. I, I'd be glad just when the idea of it comes because Brother Bram said when the revelation strikes, there'll be a power of God in the church and everybody will be healed. The sickness will go away. You'll be sitting in a sermon like this. Listen to the Word of God. Say amen, feeding on the bread of life. And the sicknesses will go sitting right in your pews. Glory to God. Don't tell me we've got to walk around here sick and lame and crippled before we go into rapture. We are the anointed bride of Jesus Christ. And we must confess that. Don't let the devil put a mirror of how bad you are, how wicked you are, how evil you are, how slewful you are. God has already said, I put your name in the book of life. I put a seal on it. I stamped it. And I swore to heaven that I would bring it to pass. It's impossible for it to fail. You say, boy, if I live like that, life would be a whole lot easier. Well, that's what I'm trying to get across. Praise God. So, remember last week's quote. I didn't, I, my computer went down. I couldn't paste it. So uh, it's not in your notes. Brother Bam said, now watch. Referring to this message, he said, we see a shout. We see a voice, a trumpet. It's just what I got through reading in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Now, he said the third thing is a trumpet. Now, there's where a little mystery is of translation, resurrection and translation, right there. What is that trumpet? He said the third thing is a trumpet, which always, now watch, at the Feast of Trumpets, he goes over to Israel as his type. He has to have something to look at, so he goes over to Israel as his, as his piece. At the Feast of Trumpets, now, he said what? At the Feast of Trumpets is calling a people to a feast, and that will be the bride's supper, the lamb's supper with the bride in the sky. He's telling you right there what month and period the catching away will be. Because he said as the bride goes up, two prophets come down, which is the trumpets to, two prophets. They blow trumpets, two trumpets, to call Israel. Now, Israel has already been gathered in uh, Israel now in around Jerusalem. They started gathering there in, what, 1946 and 47. God said they began to gather. Now, we get into the trumpets. You can see that. They've already been gathered there, but now they're being gathered by two prophets sounding forth the gospel message to come and hear the truth about the Messiah. Since the Gentile bride has gone up, the veil is now taken away. Their veil now is two prophets. Our veil was one prophet with a message. Their veil is two prophets 
because they won't listen. To, you, go, you can go over there and get tracks. And Brother Brown thought he would go over there and open their eyes, but they're only going to hear God's prophets, which is Moses and Elijah. You say, will it really be Moses and Elijah, or will it be the anointing upon two men? Well, I'm going to be real supernatural. I think if we stood over there and knew what was going on, you'd absolutely see two men walk out of nothing and step out, and there they are. Maybe someone will see them, but I believe they'll gather around the wall according to their feast, and they'll begin to preach the gospel, and they'll begin to show shines, miracles, and wonders, closing the heavens, calling out the judgments on America, Germany, all those that crucified the Jews down through the ages according as they poured upon the Jews. They will call these plagues upon them. We go through the vials, the bowls, the trumpet. All that's poured out in this period of time, 1260 days from the two prophets to the time of the coming of Jesus Christ according to Revelation 19 with the bride. We go up at the trump of God. We come back with Jesus Christ as Revelation 19 on the mighty army. 1260 days from the blowing of the trumpets to the Day of Atonement, to Feast of Tabernacles, where they move into the millennium immortal, when God and the bride comes to intervene and intercept the nations of the world coming against uh, Jerusalem for its destruction, we intervene, intervene and bring it to a halt. Praise God. And we'll walk out on the ashes of the wicked. In other words, you're going to see a supernatural events coming from a supernatural world. I thought Trump the other day, they was, he was asked in an interview, will you let us know uh, and bring forth the mysteries now of these UFOs? And he stumbled a little bit because he said he would. And they're pressing him to it. He said, well, it is kind of complicated, but he said, we'll see if we can get that done. They absolutely know that there is a race, aliens, Something from another dimension that's not of this royal. There is angels. There's serpents. There's all these creatures. There's a throne room out there. There's a heaven out there. There's a kingdom out there. There's a God out there. All of that that you read in the Bible down to 6,000 years is still in existence. But in this age, we're getting blind. We're getting carnal-minded. We're getting uh, lackadaisy. We're getting away from the supernatural. We're getting away from even the Pentecostal move. But it's still here. And it's to dull our minds so that basically we'll, a foolish version will actually go back to sleep. They'll take a little nap because of this long-suffering. They don't understand that they've got to come into an allotment of the Word of God. They understand it's there, but they don't understand that they've got to get in by a Gentile prophet. So Perry Stone and uh, all these guys, they can put drawings on the board. They can put images on the platform. They can preach it to the letter. They can quote scriptures by the hundreds. But they still can't get through that veil. When they come to that veil, they stop. They even know about Brother Branham. Oh, he had a good, uh, outstanding gift of healing. Praise God. 
That's it. That veil is our way in. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. That's fine. This is just the way I understand it. This is just the way God led me in. But if you'll study your Bible and be open-minded, you'll go to the water and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll accept God's means of communicating Himself to you. Because you cannot hear from God, you'll not understand this Bible outside of a prophet. You say, oh, you're almost getting deity. It's a hairline, it's a close that you can't hardly separate it. So that's how close it is, and we'll just leave it right there. Watch. So we have seen that every feast, if you look at your drawings and study the Scripture, every feast up until now, the Passover, the unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost, is where they come to 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, was fulfilled exactly to the day, as I said before, and I keep repeating it to get our minds in that area, precisely to the time God designated in Leviticus chapter 23, the ultimate fulfillment of these feasts has not yet been fulfilled to Israel. The millennium will not take place until he takes Israel through the feast of Israel. Now, he's got us through the first four feasts. We believe that Jesus was the atonement. But like the prophet said in the church age book, the Jews would not accept Jesus as the atonement. They just turned it down. God dealt with them a while. He left them and come to the Gentiles. A small group of people in the Ephesian church age understood the atonement and its perfection, and they could have took a rapture, he said. Except we was not all in, or the names was not all called. But their revelation of the atonement disappeared real quick because Paul said they let in another spirit, another Jesus, more and more, and they dropped it. So the key to the rapture for seven church ages has been people's understanding of the day of atonement or God's answer for sin. That's the reason why you got church membership, you got this, you got laws, you got everything, you got cults, you got false prophets, you got movements, you got sex, you got every kind of religion in the world trying to get to God, trying to get to God, trying to put enough Sharia law in for people not to break the laws of Almighty God, and you cannot do it. There's just not enough. You, you just don't have it in you to do it. All right. So, therefore, we come now in this hour that we find in Revelation 10, 1 to 7. We go over it over and over because that's our message. God Himself comes down here to the seven church age messenger, which we believe is William Branham. Now, I said that two weeks ago. We had a visitor, and as soon as I read the quote, first quote, Brother Branham said he hit the door, which that's the best thing that he could have done. Because you do not sit in the presence of this and disbelieve it or in your heart mock it because you're in trouble. In our measure, in our level, we're in the presence of God, in the holiest of all, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, Feeding on the hidden manna in the presence of God. We have come now to a relationship, a fellowship, that
that is absolutely different than worship was through seven church ages. We'll get to that. We are in a relationship. We are in a fellowship with the Word of God, which is true worship. All right? So then we come to Revelation chapter 8. Let's look at it. When it opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar. Now I believe that's typing your high priest, Jesus as the high priest. Now this is going on in heaven. All right, if he's coming to the altar, he's coming before the throne as the high priest moving toward the sprinkling of the book or the day of atonement in its fullness now. So here we are finding him leaving the intercessor seat. Intercessory days is over. And now he's coming forth to sit down on the Father's throne. And that mercy seat becomes the judgment seat of Christ. The judge actually comes down here as the wig one. Seven angels. You've got the cloud. You can argue it over if you want to. Seven angels come down here. Here's your seven angels right here. They come down here. Those seven angels, what? Reveals the mystery of the seventh seal, which is seven thunders under Revelation what, uh, chapter 5 or 6 in there. The revelation of those seven thunders brings us to this completion or into the presence of Almighty God. He stood at the altar having a golden censer. There was given unto him much incense, and he should offer it with the prayers of all saints unto the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Now watch. So we see Christ here leading the church. He's leading the church into the holiest of all, into the perusia or the presence, and he has to bring us behind the veil. That's the reason he moves to Revelation 10, 1 to 7. All right? Then he goes on the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there was followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. So we place the angel who came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, as Christ, the high priest, on the day of the atonement. And we see seven angels with seven thunders coming down here. In other words, you're looking at the church moving out of the church ages, Christ changing his vesture, his garments. You remember Aaron had to go in, put on the linen pants, put off the linen pants, go out and wash the blood, come back on, put on the garments, whatever more. And he had gone through all that procedure. We see this transition go now of Christ. This is all being figuratively revealed to us by what we call the message of the hour. The message of the hour is the high priest, God himself, the one on the throne, coming down here to us and walking us through a prophet into his own presence. All right. So, I've got your notes there. What, what now? We see the angel in Revelation chapter 5. I know this is hard to study, but look. In chapter 5, you see a call go forth for someone to take this book. That book is the sealed book, seven sealed book, and your name is in there. Your inheritance is in there. Your atonement is in there. 
if that book is not open and revealed to you, we're just as lost as a ghost. We're still under Adam's sin. We're still in darkness. John rejoiced and began to cry. Brother Brown said he wasn't crying for sorrow. He was crying for joy. That he understood that Jesus, that bloody lamb, was able to take that book. And he comes out of the intercessory seat behind the throne. He comes into view. He takes the book and opens the book. Seals was released. The prophet told us that he hands it to the one on the throne, which was God. And the pillar of fire comes down here to earth. Revelation 10, 1 to 7, with the open book in his hand. And with Revelation 10, 7, calls your name out of this open book. In other words, he preaches to us the revelation of the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. We are the only group, I think there's even in the message, that you will even sit and endure the thought that you never sinned or it never was laid to your charge in the first place. You wonder why we are not fellowshiped by other churches? It's because I preach the presence of God and a prophet has declared you the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. And if the prophet declared you righteous, why would I stand here and beat you under condemnation, pointing out the weakness of your flesh, which you cannot overcome and conquer anyway? Now, what I'm saying, you can put on clothes and you can quit cutting your hair. You can do that. But as far as you getting so holy that you can walk on water, I, I don't know that that's able to do that or not. But what you've got to understand is God's plan for the Gentile. He shed that blood and redeemed you once and for all. He took the blood in before the Father, and God received that blood, and to come down on the day of Pentecost and bore witness that your sins were gone. We are not under the Pentecostal dispensation of the Word of God. We are under the grace of Almighty God, which our minds cannot hardly receive. But that's our confession. So we see here now that we call the sixth seal. Now, I'm going to read a quote because the time's running out. And if a musician will come, we'll get done for water baptism. But I want to read this quote. I give you eight things that the atonement fulfills in our lives. I'll go over them real quickly. Number one, our faith is based upon the atonement that differs from the other applications of divine healing. We went through that. It's not gifts. It's not ministries. It's the atonement. The atonement is prefigured by the day of atonement where the elect is brought into the presence of God. Three, the atonement is remission of sin. Everybody ought to rejoice over that. The antidote for the sentence of death and sickness. Sin gone, sickness is gone. If sin brought sickness, if sin brought sickness, then if you ever take away sin, it ought to take away sickness. You can't take away sin without taking away sickness. Well, how are we going to get there? Open your mouth and confess that it's done. Like I said, we are controlled as believers. We believe. Our confession is number one. Jesus died for my sins, and God raised Him for my justification. Number two, 
We believe that by his stripes we were healed. That is the two great confessions that keeps us going. That's it. And we believe that to be true. All right. Number four, the ministry of atonement is brought about by Malachi 4, 5, and 6 in Revelation 10, 1 to 3. Number five, the atonement restores fellowship as distinguished from worship. Number six, the atonement is for all sins and all sickness and for all sheep. Number seven, atonement shows we're restored to the identified word among the people. Number eight, this lets the believer know his position and rest according to Philippians 2, 5 to 6, where we think it not robbery to be equal with God. Because we were in the book to start with. All right. Now, Brother Brown, read this quote, and we'll get totally confused this morning and go home. Brother Brown said, because the seventh seal, there was silence. This is our thought. No one knew that was the minute or hour that Christ would come. Now, to me, Christ here is the pillar of fire of the anointing. He's not talking about the man Jesus. I don't believe he is. As he revealed it to us. Okay, Brother Bram said there's something been revealed to us. And we see it a little different than anybody else sees it. The way we see it is the anointing, the pillar of fire, has come forth and revealed himself as being here. And Brother Bram preached unrecognized presence of God in the whole world has basically been guilty of that. Every trumpet sounded under the sixth seal. Now, that's the one that gets me right there. Under the persecution of the Jews. Notice now, he gives you the scripture that we read. In Revelation 8, begin with the seventh verse. All was the calling out of Israel, natural, in Egypt. Now it's calling out of Israel in the spiritual sense. He was making them ready to come to the Feast of the Atonement. Okay, so he tells you exactly what this golden censer and the seventh seal is all about. Notice the Feast of Trumpets was first, which was Pentecost. Now, he, that's where you got, it's the first one after Pentecost if you looked at the charts. That's where you get stumbled up. Feast of Trumpets was first, or the Feast of the Atonement that followed it 50 days later. So the Feast of the Atonement, read it here. If we have time, in Leviticus 23 and the 16, and I put it in your notes. We find that the first was the Feast of Trumpets. Now he's back on, he's back on the line. The Feast of the Atonement followed the Feast of Trumpets. Now that's right. Notice, a trumpet sounded, and that was to gather them together. That's 144,000 now he's speaking of. Now the first trumpet blowed. There was hail, blood, fire sprayed upon the earth, just exactly like it was in Egypt making ready to call them to the Day of Atonement. So he's saying the Feast of Trumpets is calling the 144,000 to the revelation of Jesus Christ, their atonement. He put in here, now this year's in between here, lengthened out, which is calling out the Pentecostal Feast that we've been under for 2,000 years, has been the year of Pentecost. Now, the sounding of the Jews comes next. So he's saying after the Feast of Pentecost, the sounding of the Jews comes next. We are injected in there somewhere because we got to get out of the way before he can go to the Jews. See, so he's leaving a mystery, which is basically he took all these sermons showing that he was the mystery. His message was the mystery. And what he was preaching was going on right in front of you in flesh. All right. Watch. 
making ready to call them to the day of atonement. They rejected the true atonement. In the church age book, he said the Jews rejected it, and also the church rejected it in the fullness. This has been the years of Pentecost. Now the sounding for the Jews comes next. This has been the calling out of the church through the 2,000 years church ages. Now, which afterward he took them to the land of promise, which he will do the same thing, which in symbol, he takes the church to the land of promise, which we believe is the marriage supper and the millennium. Remember, now here's the one that catches me because I can't, I can't put this in there. Every trumpet sounded under the sixth seal. I can't make that work. He said it. There it lays. I can't make it work. Now exactly the continuity of the scripture, exactly the same. Watch. Under the seventh trumpet is to Israel the same as the seventh seal was to the church. There's your key right there. Under the seventh seal, that when these souls that were under the altar, he goes back to the fifth seal now, souls under the altar, the mystery, that received robes, they were given robes, not that they earned them because they were in the dispensation when God was still dealing with the grace of the Gentiles, not Jews, Israel. is saved as a nation. God deals with Israel as a nation. Gentiles as a people are not a nation for his name. Watch. So the trumpet sounded, and that was to gather them together. The first trumpet blowed. It was hailed for them, whatever more and whatever more. He said that was to gather them to the feast of trumpets. What I'm trying to find out in Scripture, and I haven't put it together perfectly, that shout, voice, and trump, what that trump is to us, is it the feast of trumpets to the Jews, or is it a different trump to the bride than it is to Israel? That's the question right there. Because the trump to us is the mystery of resurrection, body change, and rapture. The trumps to Israel is two prophets stepping out on the scene calling them basically to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you want to notice this, if the seventh seal is to us what the two prophets is to Israel, what is the two prophets to Israel do? It shows them that Jesus was the atonement for sin. 144,000 accept that fact, and they go into the millennium. That's what the seventh seal is to us. It all hinges on the atonement. Was the blood the answer for the sins plus nothing? And Brother Branham said, there will be a group under Malachi 4, 5, and 6 who will come to Jesus plus nothing and that will allow them to fulfill Mark 16. So when we come to the revelation, and it'll only come by a confession. I can sit here and preach it to you till you get so tired you can go to sleep and quit church. And if you never open your mouth and confess that it's true to you, you will never see it and you will never come to it. This is an individual confession of faith. To be saved, you must confess the Lord with your mouth. To be healed, you must confess the blood by your mouth. Without those two major confessions, we will not move out of the Pentecostal age. You will not move into the holiest of all. 
You will not mature in the Spirit, and you will not move into the power of Almighty God. We are in a fellowship. We are walking and talking with Jesus Christ in the form of the Holy Ghost here with us now, united with us now as one body of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Let's stand this morning. I know that's a, a lot of hot air if you want to look at it that way. And there's a lot of symbolism, which I can admit for years I don't like to study it because it's, it, uh, uh, to me it's more symbolism and to Israel than it is to us. But that's the only way that we can tell time to see what's going on. If you understand the symbolism, you'll understand this message perfectly. You mean, Brother Gregory, I got to go through all this time and transfer it over to me? If you get a picture of it, the seven steps, you're in the seven step. Just get a picture of it, believe and confess your way all the way through there and confess where you are now. Because we're in that portion. We're resting under the seventh seal. We're resting under the Feast of Tabernacles. We are sealed in. The bride is sealed. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, if it hadn't run out, it's run out. It's running out very quickly. There may be one here and one there that's on the book that's coming in. We prayed today, this morning, that there's one still out there that will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But as far as the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon all flesh, it's already over. It's done. Amen. We found out the baptism of the Holy Ghost wasn't what we thought it was to start with. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, as far as the Pentecost flowing out, everybody shouting, running, jumping, whatever more, feeling all that's over. If, you, if you're still in that move, you're, you're, not, you're in the wrong age. That's all it is to it. You're not in the holiest of all. In the holiest of all, there's sobriety, there's sincerity, and there's a revelation in there that you'll walk different, talk different, and you'll understand and see yourself different in the Lord. Amen. Take up your cross. Let's sing that, would you? Oh, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross Every day. Have you shook hands with each other this morning? Shame. To say that you love him. And the cause. Take up your cross. And follow him. Anybody need prayer this morning while we're coming? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will anoint this sister and may the biopsy be clear. We pray that your spirit will be upon her. May the healing power and the grace of Almighty God rest upon her. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you for the benefits of Calvary in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let's praise one. Heavenly Father, we know that you are the healer of cancer. You raise the dead. You open blinded eyes. There's nothing impossible with your presence. Therefore, by the hidden manna that we feed it open this morning, and by the atonement grace that you've given us, we ask for a healing of our bodies and this body here. May all the reports be good. May the healing of the body 
show forth in all the exams. And we ask your grace to be bestowed upon our brother in the name of Jesus Christ. And we give you glory for it. Amen and amen. Amen, please, this morning. Amen. Oh, take up your cross and fall. Let's give Canada a wave this morning. God bless them for coming. Every day, we have a water baptismal service afterwards. We'd like for you to take part in that. Amen, it bleeds this morning. Amen, it's got a confession in your mouth. Praise God. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Oh, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Every day, don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cost, take up your cross, and follow Him. God bless you. Thank you for coming this morning. We will try to move to a different part of the Scripture next week. Probably pick up Aaron's rod or hidden manna somewhere. There's not much farther that we can go in the Word outside of the presence of God. If it's in the books, I've looked at every book. There's, not, there's nothing out there left. There's questions of the temple of Ezekiel that nobody understands about. There's questions of the millennium that we don't know. But as far as the Gentile plan and where we're at, he's made it plain who we are, what we are, and where we're at in the Word of God. You say, well, it's getting kind of repeating, repetitious, eating the same manna over and over. Well, the children of Israel eat the same manna for 40 years. They griped about it, but it healed their bodies and kept them from stinking. Their clothes didn't wear out. So I think we can feed on this manna a little while longer. Amen. Because we are guaranteed that this Word will change our mortal body to immortality. Now, our minds can't get there because we're still dealing with sin. You're still dealing with the flesh. Still dealing with your mistakes. You're still dealing with your mind. That you can't overcome this. You can't overcome that. I'm telling you, the answer to the mind is the Word of God. It's just as simple of opening your mouth and declaring, I believe, according to the Scripture, Jesus Christ died for my sins. God raised him from the dead for my justification. By his stripes, I am healed. It is all to us as a confession out of our mouth. Amen. And as your confession grows, the rocks come out. The Holy Spirit goes in until you come to the statue of a perfect man. Amen. There's hidden manna. There's a message of this hour that we feed our souls on until it absolutely will change our mortal body. That's the message of this hour, and that's what we're looking at. So God bless you. We'll meet in the back for a water baptismal service this morning.